0: Stand up just for a second. Did you bring your Bible? Always good to have your Bible. In fact, hold it, hold it in front of you for a second. Open it up. Now look at your neighbor's Bible. Does it look like it's been read? Is there anything in it? Any notes or anything like that? Uh, look at your neighbor's Bible. Just old oh, New Testament or something. But just, does there anything? Anything underlined or starred or a note? This was great. This book is supposed to be used, right? It's not, it's not an ornament. It's supposed to be used. So, uh, and, and it's a study book. Like in college and even high school, I'd underline things in books and stuff. But it's supposed to be studied. Amen? All right, say with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess... My mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So we talked uh, um, a couple weeks ago on thermostats and thermometers. Remember... Remember, a thermometer will tell you the temperature of, of your setting. You know, if it's in this room here, the thermometer will tell you how cold or hot it is. A thermostat, on the other hand, will regulate the temperature. And in particular, we're talking about raising the spiritual temperature. So, in the wall over here, uh, there is a thermostat. And in this building, we have three different zones for heating and cooling, but... At any rate, the thermostat, if you set it, it will raise the temperature. So on a Sunday morning in the wintertime, it's cool here in the morning. And then when the building is opened up and the thermostat is set, it raises the temperature. So you get here and it's real comfortable. All right. So, so you can be a thermometer. Peter at one time was a thermometer. So even, even when he denied Jesus, he became the temperature of his setting. All right. So he became cold. Uh, but thank God for the Holy Spirit, because he, he gets the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, he's bold enough to stand before thousands then, and confess Christ, and to declare that he is the Savior of the world. And of course, also talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, that took place there on the day of Pentecost, or the Pentecostal uh, festival, and so forth like that. So, so, we want, to be, we want to be a thermostat. The scripture in John 14, verse 17, says that the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, and He dwells with you and will be in you. So, there is a power source. When, when we are Christians, when we surrender our life to Jesus, there is a power source that comes to live with us. And that's the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, this power source, is only used when you put a demand on the power. Amen? So there has to be some sort of activation. Activation take place where a demand is is put out there. Amen? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, Now you are ambassadors for Christ. So an ambassador will speak the word of the king, or the prime minister, the president, the ambassador in a country or in a setting, we are surrounded by flags of all the nations that have been affected one way or another through the tabernacle. So, so But now it says we are an ambassador for Christ. So God is going to give us things to uh, say and do to represent Him. Can you say Jesus. This doesn't come down to your church. It comes down to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you are representative for Jesus Christ. So much, so much of Christianity uh, gets all bogged down in what church they belong to and the importance of their church and all these things like that. And it's like, yes, you, you should fellowship at a church. Amen. The believers should do that. However, the relationship is with Jesus Christ. No church can save you. So you are an ambassador, first and foremost, for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. In other words, you want to talk to people about Jesus. Amen. You want to share Jesus because God will plead through us to others. He will, he will try to reach through us to other people to reconcile them to himself. So what we're doing is we're planting seeds, sowing seeds, you know, watering seeds and so forth. Uh, uh, in other people's lives. But again, you have to put a demand on the power. Uh, Steve uh, Johnson, let's see. Steve, where are you at here again? Right there. You, you were sharing last week with me how many friends that you've had through the years now, for 20 years or 30, almost 40 years, that, that have said how your influence reached their lives. They're Christians because of your witness. And, and Steve, many times, his parents and his family didn't, didn't grow up living for Jesus. But even at the funerals, you were, you were like, Steve would stand up and people were like, oh, no, he's going to say something again. It was like, yes, hallelujah. And would say something about Jesus, bold enough to say something about Jesus that in turn affected other family members, but also friends and people. He was an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I mean, a lot of these friends that's over in the Twin Cities were not there. But he was there. He's an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Amen. Just like Greg, we mentioned, going on ranches or farms. I'm not on ranches or farms and not around horses. You know, the only horses I was on twice in my life, I was on a horse. And it's like they knew both times, I've got a rookie here. One was when I was younger, you know, he drug me under a tree and one uh, later, when we started, we were in the ministry, and this guy out west, he had a big cattle ranch and so forth, and he wanted to say, let's go and check the cattle. And then, ooh, you know, okay, you know, I mean, four-wheeler works good for me. No, 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 no. True rancher just horses, you know. So, so he said, no, I got an old horse. This, don't worry about this horse. So I got on that horse, and as soon as I was on that horse, it wasn't, it wasn't two minutes, and that horse could feel it. So it's like, woo, I got a rookie here. And all of a sudden, that horse was going to have a good day. And it took off running. And I was hanging on for dear life. You know, I'm just tense, you know. Well, Greg, you know, Greg's out. You know, he's witnessing and sharing Jesus Christ. He's an ambassador. He's an ambassador. He's a light for Jesus, as we should be, right? See, the message is Jesus Christ. That's where there's power. There's a message the message is Him. Amen? Then 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, we shared that, that, that thanks be to God, He causes us to triumph. And I wanted to always, let's point this out. It's always, God's never leading you to a dark place. God does not have a bad day planned for you. He has only good things planned for you. Read the New Testament. We're in that covenant, which is a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. So he always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now, the purpose of that is this, is that through us, he'll diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge uh, in every place. Through, so through us, he's going to diffuse his presence, the smell of being a Christian. You know, I think, I think the neat thing about being a Christian is that you ought to smell good. Amen? Amen? not talking about cologne. I'm talking about a presence. It should be something where people think, I like being around them. They're positive. Yeah. They, they, they do something to help my life. Amen? Now, all of these things, see, here's a cord. And we're surrounded in this building by power. Of course, there's lights on and so forth. But, but tremendous, hundreds of amps of electricity. There's actually two power sources in this building. A 200-amp service here, 200-amp service in another place. So there's 400 amps of electricity. And so you can, you can have this source of power, but it does you no good until you get it activated, right? So here, I, I'm, I'm plugging my life in the right way. I'm plugging my life into the cord, all right? So now, now I'm plugged in. I'm a Christian. And many people say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But still, what do people see in your life? What do people hear from you? Nothing happens until you activate your faith. Now, a big way that we activate our faith is through our words and our actions. Amen? Amen. In other words, you have to pull the trigger. When you pull the trigger, something happens. Amen. If I don't pull the trigger, so I'm just plodding along every day, it's Monday. it's Monday, you know, like everybody else, and you act like everybody else, nothing happens. You say, well, I prayed." Now, folks, I love prayer. But i got to tell you, you got to be feet to your prayer. Amen. People can pray till the cows come home and aren't going to see much happen until they go out and do something. Say, so do, do something. Faith is always in action. Amen. So you have to do something. You have to go out and love people. Amen. Amen. You have to go out and treat people like Jesus would treat them. Amen. see, we can pray from the comfort of our homes. Everything's cozy and nice. I pray. I did my job. Neighbors don't know you love Jesus. Nobody else knows you love Jesus. Friends, others, you know. So you have to demonstrate that. Amen? You, you pull the trigger, the switch of faith. You activate something. So at some point in our lives, see, we're all in these places and it might feel uncomfortable. Oof, you know, someone should say something. Maybe I should do something. I always look for these opportunities. Like even my family, my parents... Didn't like that I became a Christian. My brothers didn't like. They mocked me and so forth. And yet, I'd look for an opportunity, a Thanksgiving meal, Christmas. I'll, I'll pray, Mom. I'll pray for the meal. Oh, okay. Dave's going to pray for the meal. And, of course, better sit down their cans of beer and different mixed drinks and so forth. Okay, Dave, go ahead. Well, I'm going to pray more than for the food. I'm going to pray for a blessing on them and their their household and family. I'm going to activate my faith. I'm going to do something with my faith. Now, maybe now all of a sudden, as soon as you step out, all of a sudden, you know you got the power. But prior to stepping out, you can feel as as dead as an inanimate object. Just like, okay, Father, Ah, you start doing something, your faith is activated. And it begins to affect the atmosphere. Now, I'm not saying you have, you're going to see it immediately, but something happens when you do this. Seeds are planted. When Angela, our daughter, got sick uh, many years ago, and she was, uh, it was probably in the first years of her being quite ill, and I found myself in a, in a Lewis drug in Sioux Falls, looking for some medicine that they said we needed to pick up. Now, when I got saved in college, I got saved my junior year of college at SDSU, and my life changed dramatically. Hallelujah. (laughs) Got saved in a nightclub, and from there on began to follow Jesus. Now, I was still in the dorm at the time because it was paid for. It was a full-ride scholarship and so forth. All it was paid for. And I had people around me in the dorm. Now, two of those people next door to me were pharmacy students. And I knew them, you know... They were they were from Sioux Falls. And I took pharmacy courses also at the time. Took a lot of sciences and everything. And at any rate, my life changed. That winter of my last year at the dorm. So now, 10 years fast forward. I'm in a Lewis drug in Sioux Falls. And, and I'm looking for something, you know. And all of a sudden, I hear, cough! And that's what a lot of people called me, cough. And so I... Thought, you know, that's, that's a voice somebody knew me. And the guy behind the counter with this white coat, he said, just a minute. Finishes up with somebody there at the counter, the pharmacist. And he comes around the counter. He comes over to the aisle where we're at. And I said, hey, his name was Don. I said, Don, well, good to see you. And he looked at me and says, wow, it's good to see you. Of course, now, I knew Don another way too, the way he once was. Now, I didn't know that Don and his roommate watched me intensely. He looked at me and he said, we mocked you. We laughed at you. You were the butt of jokes. And he said, but now I got saved. Amen. And he's looking at me and he's he's, his voice is not low. Now I got saved. And then he looked at me and he says, and I speak in tongues too. And I'm looking, praise the Lord. You know, this was, it was a little hallelujah time. In the aisle, pharmacy section, Lewis Drug, and to see what God has done. And he told me all these things. He says, but we watched your life and we saw how you lived and we saw, you know, what, what are people looking for? Are you walking the talk or not? Don't do a lot of talking if you're not living it. You know what I mean? If you're acting like everybody else in the world, not good. All right. You should be different. Just the, way, just the way you talk. How about, how about the nice, nice language with no swear words? Amen. Yes. How about a smile on your face? How about treating others, whoever it is, treating others with respect? Amen. Can we say amen? amen? So what happens is, while you're just living your life, you're activating your faith. You go to work, you know, hey, first of all, if you got a job, hallelujah, you should look forward to going to work. Amen. amen. (laughs) Walking through the doors, good morning, good morning. You know, you're activating your faith. So the people begin to think, what what makes them tick? Why are they so different? Amen. Amen. So remember now, I can be a Christian. Got the power. Salvation. Thank you, Lord. But if I don't do anything with it, the purpose for us being on this planet is not to make money. Not to achieve all kinds of success. All those things are fine. However, the purpose for us being here is to reach others for Jesus. That is the only thing that is lasting ultimately. Amen? No U-Hauls following a hearse. Don't matter how much money you have. Don't matter all your other accolades in life. But people that found the Lord who are going to heaven that you'll see again someday. That's the key in our lives. Amen. Amen? Amen. So you have to activate your faith. Amen. I like the story even. Uh, I mentioned it the other day. But I thought. Just kind of remarkable. That, that uh, Mary King. Who was a cook. At the school. Where Charles Spurgeon as a, little, as a boy went to school. And so here, she wasn't a professor, she wasn't an instructor, she wasn't a classmate, she wasn't a friend, she was a cook. And so Charles Spurgeon, you know, would come through the meal line and so forth, and this lady would smile and she would, you know, say little things to him and, and you know, about the Lord. eventually invited him to church, and out of that they had many conversations about Jesus and Charles Spurgeon ended up getting saved as a teenager. Now, if God can use the cook in the school and to influence somebody who wrote many things, became a Baptist preacher and so forth, doesn't matter if you agree with all of this stuff, but the fact is God used him to influence a lot of people for the kingdom. And God used Mary King to do this. just Just through... Her life just through her witness. Now, let's go to John chapter 4 a second. John chapter 4, we're going to just camp here for a little bit about the woman at the well. I love the story. I love the story. So they're there. Jesus, the disciples, and so forth had come. And this is this is by near the city of Sychar. And the woman comes and Jesus says, give me a drink of water. And the disciples had gone into the city to buy some food. So Jesus is sitting, sitting there at the well. He says, can you give me a drink of water? And the woman says, how is it you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Let's stop there a second. Discrimination is, is everywhere in the world. Sometimes people think this, oh, America's got so many problems and there's so many issues. Folks, this is everywhere. So people are mistreated, mistreated for a variety of things worldwide. It could be because of their skin color. It could be because of their tribe. It could be because of their nationality. It could be for all, it could be for their religion. But mistreated because of all kinds of things. If we read the Bible, we understand that these things took place even in Jesus' day. But we also understand, what did Jesus do? He was always bridging gaps. So here's a Samaritan woman. That didn't bother him. He's there to bring salvation to this woman, as he is there to bring salvation to everybody on this planet. In your life, you want to weed out, how do you weed out discrimination of any kind? How do you weed it out? You on purpose go and try to be a blessing to anybody you can find Amen. on purpose. See, see, it's easy to think people say, well, I don't have any discrimination, I don't have any problems. And then maybe something comes and then they say something that casts a shadow on that, on another person or tribe or sect or religion or anything like that. See, how do you feel about people? I remember once, uh, even at the, at the Fall Festival on campus. And the Fall Festival on campus has, you know, there's groups represented, campus groups from all different kinds. And, and the fire starters had a table there, so forth. And this particular Fall Festival was outside, and it was great. The fire starters had the jimbei, and so they were singing. It was, it was really wonderful. It was a four hour festival for us. It was good. But down the way, about 100 feet, or more away, was a table that had the, um, the Muslim Student Association. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go over and visit with those guys. <laughs> I didn't go and say, hey, I'm a pastor, I'm part of the starters. I just went up and said, hey, how are you guys doing today? I said, tell me, about, tell me about your lives. And they did. I got a real earful. But how are you going to know anybody, or about anybody, or relate to anybody, unless you actually sit down and talk with them? If you always come from the standpoint, I know more than you, I'm better than you, your life is off, you're never going to reach people. You're never going to reach people. I saw a guy the other day that I'm, you know, probably not heterosexual. And I just thought, you know, God bless you, I just saw this guy, I was just nice to him, sweet to him. He was nice to me. How are you going to, how are you going to reach people? If you have a grimace on your face, sometimes sometimes the gospel, we're going to preach the gospel. <laughs> Yikes. We were down in Florida. So we're down in Florida and the one last night, uh, we went down to this place where a lot of people gather. They call it Times Square. It's a little, little, little place, not a big tourist place. And there was a street preacher down there, you know, and of course it's like, you're going to hell unless you turn around, you're going, you got a megaphone, you're going to hell. So we thought, well, let's go meet him. You know, I didn't come up and say I'm a pastor. I said, I said, hey, I'm glad you guys are. Do you know Jesus? Yeah, I sure do. I sure do. But, you know, but, you know, I said, I said to Jeannie and I've said to other people before, too. That's not my message. My message is Jesus loves you. It's a different way to come. You're going to accomplish the same thing. I'll guarantee you. But you're not going to offend people. You're not going to have people walk. Oh, well, you know. See, who wants who wants to have have someone say you're going to hell Yeeks I don't want to talk to you because most people actually before I knew Jesus I knew I was on the wrong path it's not like someone say you're a sinner it's like oh tell me something I don't know you know yeah I know that you know I'm going to whatever you know so so the message though is Jesus Amen. see if, if the when we when Kevin or Bob Hannes would go to Sturgis and and we've helped support all that and so forth. What's the message out there? Well, you've got Hell's Angels, you got the bikers, and you're putting up the crosses and so forth. The message isn't like, you guys are going to burn, and they would probably burn you. They'd torch you before you got off Main Street. These, these, some of these people have taken oaths to kill people. They're, they're, they're rough people. This is not a, it's not a big deal for some of them to kill somebody. I'm just telling you the truth. Same way some places overseas. It's not a big deal for people to kill others. But to tell them that Jesus loves them, Amen. that's important. Amen? Because why? It's, it's like now you're coming through the door. You're bringing a message of hope. You're bringing a message. That let the Holy Spirit work in their hearts, but let, let God touch them and say, Hey, Jesus loves you. You've got a plan for your life. People are like, you're kidding. You've got a plan for me? I've been in prison. I've done this and this and this. Oh, no, he's got a plan for your life. It's like Greg came up with the idea, rather than saying a sinner's prayer, he said, let's say a life prayer. Well, I use that now. Novel idea, I use that. That's the Holy Ghost. Folks, you can get people to pray a life prayer anywhere. You got a life prayer? Yeah, I'll pray that. Same prayer. Same prayer. You're turning, you're receiving, so forth, but it's a life prayer. otherwise, otherwise, lots of times, folks, we don't even get in the door. You got your foot out, get stuck in the door, got slammed so hard, you know. So discrimination is worldwide and it is to this day. And people sometimes think you have to sit down. We got a dialogue about all these things. Yeah, I know what you got a dialogue about. You got to get your nose in the book and decide you're going to love people the way Jesus loved them. Period. Period. Get over it and love people. And when you love people, you'll talk and you'll visit and you'll find out about their lives. People are, very, people are very interesting. Find out about their lives and things that they've come through and so forth. And you build a bridge. So the next, next verse is here then. Uh, so the woman says, Sir, give me this water. So Jesus told her about living water. All right? He told her about something that could change her life, that offered her refreshment. <laughs> And, and she says, give me this water that I would not thirst. All right. Now, now, people are thirsty. And we can say physically thirsty, true, but they're thirsty for something to satisfy their spirit man. That's why people ultimately, folks, they're drinking and doing drugs and having affairs and all kinds of stuff. They're trying to fill voids in their life. They're just trying to fill voids. And they haven't found Jesus yet. Jesus should be the one that's satisfying our soul. Should be the one who makes us whole. So she's saying to Jesus, he's talking, give me this water. And Jesus says, well, why don't you call your husband here? <clears throat> it's kind of like a test question. Is she going to answer right or not? And the woman said, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, well, you've answered right, that you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. Now think, she had five marriages. And the one who you are now have is not your husband. So now she's living with another one person. So he says, you spoke right. And the woman says, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. So let's think about how this message came. How did the message come? Did the message come, you have had five husbands, and now you're shocked up with another guy? You need to get on your knees and repent. Well, probably, didn't, probably wouldn't minister to her, would it? But it came in such a way, and I don't know all how... That was, but the Holy Spirit brought it to her, and she said, "I think you're a prophet." Now she's she's talked. They talked about living water. They've talked about not thirsting. They talked about forgiveness, grace. I suspect, and now she hears all this, and she realizes he knows everything about me, but he still loves me. God. And she says, "You're a prophet. I perceive that you're a prophet." And I mean, these are these are powerful things. Amen. These are, these are powerful things, you know, that, that she didn't feel any condemnation. And Jesus is talking about being the Savior, the Messiah. Let's go to the next verses. So then it says, the woman says, I know that Messiah is coming, who's called Christ. So she's heard about all this. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. It's interesting that Jesus reveals himself to a Samaritan woman that he's the Messiah. He didn't even do that to the disciples. He didn't even do that to the Jews. But he takes this woman, a woman, a Samaritan woman, and reveals himself to her as far as who he is. Powerful. Next verse, verse 27. So at this point, the disciples come back. Now notice the word they marveled. Now, they marveled because they were all biased. They were all biased, they had their prejudices. Remember, the disciples were first followers before they were believers. I like it if people just come to church. You have to believe to come here, just come here. Just follow, just observe, just see what's going on. They were followers first because remember Jesus would say, "Hey, come follow me." And they started following Jesus. So they still came following Jesus with all their baggage and all their biases and all their opinions, probably, right? And so they come back here and they see Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. And they're like, are you kidding? Doesn't he know who she is? I mean, not her background, just who she was as a Samaritan woman. So they marvel that Jesus talked to the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? To the woman, what are you seeking? Or why, to Jesus, why are you talking with her? Nobody said anything. See, see, the disciples ignored the very the very thing right in front of them. Here's a woman. Here's an opportunity to share Jesus. Here's an opportunity to be a nice. Here's an opportunity to be a blessing. And they ignored her. It's like, I'm not going to talk to her. And then they were bringing back the food and they thought, well, we want to talk to Jesus. We'll just let that go. We'll just, whatever he's doing, we'll just, we'll just let it be, all right? So, so uh, they come back. Let's look at the next verses. So the woman leaves her water pot, and she goes her way to the city. And let's just stop there a minute. The woman leaves her water pot. So the disciples, the disciples just saw a Samaritan woman. They just see a woman who they're not going to visit with. They're not going to have any dealings with. And Jesus saw a need. Jesus saw an open heart. Jesus saw someone who he loves. Now, if you open your eyes, you will not see anybody on this planet through your television, your computer, your phone. You will not see anybody who Jesus Christ does not love. Everybody who you set your eyes on, wherever background, doesn't matter. Jesus loves that person. Jesus has a plan for that person. The plan is for salvation. Anybody that you see, that's the test. It's a test in life. The people that irritate you. The people that you all of a sudden realize, I do have a bias. That's a test. A test to overcome. Jesus loves them. Therefore, I need to love them. If he does, I need need to. Amen? Isn't that right? Isn't that true? So it's a test. They They just saw the woman. And now the woman leaves the pot because she's heard the voice of the Lord. And she's had a revelation who Jesus is because he said, I'm the Messiah. She's got a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now she sees herself in a new light. Sometimes you can talk to people and they can't make eye contact. Yeah, yeah, what are you talking about now? But she sees herself in a new light. She's a new person. She's no longer ashamed. When we're forgiven, I thank God for forgiveness. I thank God for forgiving. You don't want to forget your salvation. Amen. Because when you're forgiven, all of a sudden you realize, "Thank you, Lord. I don't have to be ashamed of that life. I'm not living it. I'm a new person. I'm a new creation." And this is how this woman sees herself. Now she's plugged into Jesus. Now she's plugged into the power. She's tapped into the power and potential potential is flowing into her life. She's been with Jesus. She leaves her water pot. The disciples see nothing other than, hey, you want a sandwich, Jesus? You want something to eat? We brought, brought a sandwich for you. That's all the disciples see. That's all they're thinking is food. That's all they're thinking. They're totally carnal. See, we think of sometimes people, they're so spiritual. and so, No, they were just followers of Jesus. They were learning. They were carnal. Food. Take care of me. I don't care about that woman. The woman leaves. Okay, they're sitting down with their with their sacks and food and so forth. And the woman, notice it says she goes into the city and says to the men. Now this is interesting. This is interesting. And people gloss over little tiny things, but her message was to the men. I've said this before. That's that was her background. She had a loose life. She's had five marriages. She's with the guy that isn't her marriage. She, God only knows how many other men she was with. You know, people nowadays just they, they put down others. And say, well, there's no hope for that person or that. You know, how they live their life and so forth. Folks, there's hope for everybody. I I like the Bible examples. They put out these extremes. And you think, wow, God can reach her. She can reach. He can reach anybody. So the lady goes back and she talks to the men. Now notice her message. She says, you've got to come and see a man. Can't you see their eyes rolling? She's had a lot of men. Where is she talking to the men? I don't know if it's the city square. I don't know if it's the pub, the bar, wherever it's at, wherever the men are gathered. Here comes the lady in that setting, which she's probably familiar with. And now she's talking to them about another man. And when she talks to them about the other man, I'm sure people mocked. Their eyes, they're rolled and they're thinking, Are you kidding me? She says, You've got to come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did could not be, could not, could this be, could this be the Christ? Now, I'm sure there was a few more words than that, but she came into that place and she lit it up. Let me stop here and say this How excited are you about your salvation? How excited are you about Jesus? You should be passionate about your salvation in Christ. It is your story. That does not, should not deal with all any sorts of other stuff. It's just your story about Jesus forgave you of your sins. Amen. You should be excited about that. That's what in turn ignited all of these men. Ignited the men enough that they go out of the city and they follow her. The passion... That was in her voice, the passion that was in her eyes, no longer condemned, no longer the town whore, no longer this or that. All of a sudden now she's looking at them, saying, I have found the Christ, and you need to come and meet him. He's the answer for your life. There you go. Hallelujah. Folks, and he is for everybody. He is for everybody. Is that for some people? It's not joining a church, it's a relationship. And so she's passionate about looking them in the eyes and saying, You need to meet this man. So many times we kind of gloss around it. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. You know what? Are you saved or are you not saved? I feel that we should be excited. The one who forgave me, I deserved hell, I deserved death, I deserved judgment. And he came and unlocked the door and he set me free. And you don't want to forget that. He offers to all people life and forgiveness. And so he is the one that we're bringing out to offer to the world is Jesus Christ, that relationship with him. That is powerful. And people can say, well, they didn't all follow. It doesn't matter if they followed right at the time or not. The seeds get planted. Amen. Seeds get planted. Things happen and so forth. And the Holy Spirit can work with those things. Yes. That cook, Mary, Mary King, sharing with Charles Spurgeon. Seeds got planted. Amen. Amen. They call him a prince of preachers. She says, you've got to see this man who told me everything I did. Now, she's telling him like this. Let's, let's add in here. He's told me everything about my life and he forgave me. He brought me life. He brought me forgiveness and grace and mercy. Amen. Let's add those things in there. It wasn't like he told me everything. Man, I'm a loser. Boy, this is a oh, loser, you know. No, 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 no. He told me everything. Wow. Amen. I feel wonderful. This has got to be the Christ. So it says they went. They went out of the city and came to Jesus. So this women, woman ignited the men, the men, in her town of Sychar to follow her now to come and meet the man. Verse, verse, uh, next verse, is verse 31, I think it is. So the disciples are urging Jesus. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. <laughs> boy, this was really good. And boy, I love this rice. This, that got good flavor. That it was a good restaurant. God, Jesus, don't you gonna eat? You're gonna eat blessed. And Jesus is just sitting there, he's just ignoring them. And he says, I I have food to eat, which you don't even know of. And what is this? My purpose isn't to fill my belly. You know, you focus. Think of this, folks. We eat just because we have to. But that shouldn't be our focus. If food becomes your focus, problem, if anything becomes your focus other than Jesus, problem because it's out of balance. Food shouldn't be my pro- focus. It should be like, well, I'm hungry. I guess I'll eat something. But most of us eat even though we're not hungry. Well, it's noon. I'll just stuff myself again. Disciples, like, hey, they're, they're chowing down. Jesus said, I have food you don't even know of. This, isn't, this, is my, this is not my point here to have a big lunch with you guys. And the disciple says, has someone brought him something to eat? Did you see him get something? Did, did that lady leave something for him to eat? He sure, when they not eating eaten something the Samaritan lady brought left, you know. So, so anyway, let's look at the next verses. So, so my food is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his work. Don't say there are four months and then comes the harvest. Before I say, lift up your eyes at the fields, for they're white already for harvest. What is Jesus doing now? He's sitting there. They're on a, a hillside, right? So on a hillside, you have a perspective. You can see down into the city of Sychar. You can see the town. There's a path. And he says, don't don't say four months. Something's going to happen. I want you to look right now. And what could he see? Like the Pied Piper. The woman's coming back up the path. And all these men are following her. And I would guess some are mocking. (laughs) I wonder who Betty Lou's on today. I wonder what's going on now. This ought to be quite a guy. Let's just see it. This will make our day. And they're all following the woman coming out of the town. And Jesus said, lift up your eyes. Look, look at the people. Look at the people that are around you. We don't... We have a kids' night out in June. But that isn't when you should be reaching kids. You should reach them today. Right? You should reach kids today. you got neighbor kids today. Go reach them today. If they need a bike, go buy them a bike today. Right? See, see... We focus so much on event that this is going to happen. In the meantime, miss all the other pre-stuff of the possibilities of helping people, of reaching people, blessing people. There's a place, uh, uh, Jeannie and I were reminded years ago, we had a friend that we traveled some in the world with. And he said this, he said, you don't go someplace to preach. Jesus said this, and the to the 12 of the 70s. says, as you go, preach. Because we can think the destination is there, but as you go, share Jesus. As you go, tell others. You're going to leave this place today. Some of you might go some other place. As you go, look for an opportunity. Look for an opportunity to be plugged in. Look for an opportunity to to say something. The disciples look back to Sychar and they just see it's a town. Yeah, They had a nice cafe there. We got some food. Jesus sees a harvest. Amen? Jesus sees great potential. Let's go to the next verses here a second. One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap where you didn't labor. You guys didn't labor at all here. You didn't do anything. But here's a harvest for you. He says, you've entered into this harvest. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Many of the Samaritans, let's just say say the Samaritan men, believe because of the testimony of Jesus. So when we're plugged in, there's potential. Plugged in, your potential. There's potential there. But only when you activate your faith does something happen. Amen? You You have to take Jesus with you, Wherever you go, you might say, well, I don't know if I can be plugged in that long. But you could, you can also carry the battery pack, right? Battery pack in you, the power source in you, and you can be plugged in. Right? Same sort of thing. You've got a battery pack. You've got a power source. But it's only good if you pull the trigger. You have to put a demand on the power. Just a few weeks ago in South United States and the South. So the cold came, the ice came, the snow came. They're not used to it, can't move it, can't handle it, and so forth. And the power grids begin to fail. And so what did they say? Even for people up here, they asked people to limit their source of natural gas and electricity. Turn down your heat. Don't use, don't use your washer, dry, whatever. Turn stuff down. Why were they doing that? Because the demand was exceeding the supply and when the demand exceeds the supply, there'll be a failure of the grid, of the system. So it cannot function. And then, and then it's got to kind of be brought, built all the way back up again. So they're asking people, limit all your stuff. We're at a peak demand. We're hoping we can do it. If everybody kind of turn, turn, does their thing, you know, so that we don't exceed it. With Jesus, you can never exceed your demand. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God with all power and might. He sent back the Holy Ghost. He he created the universe, the stars, the planets, all the things that tell people that there is a God. You cannot put a demand so high on him that it will exceed his ability to do it. So people come with cancers or leprosy or different things. And all he wants us to do is to be that power source, that conduit to say, well, I'll pray in the name of Jesus. And when we pray, we have prayer here today. But when we pray, something is activated. Power is activated. Things begin to change. And that is the same thing here. This entire city became Saved because of Jesus Christ. A Samaritan city that the Jews would look down on, segregate, and so forth. That city, when Jewish cities rejected him, that city received him. Pretty powerful, folks. Pretty amazing. So we put a demand on the power of God. Paul and Silas in prison. Let me just mention that I've got a couple minutes. Acts 16 Paulus and Silas are in prison. They get arrested during the day, their clothes are torn off, they're beaten, they're put in the inner prison, and their feet are in stocks and their hands are in stocks. Amen? And so here they are, and it says it was midnight. So hours passed, hours passed, and Paul and Silas began to sing praises. And there's a key word here, watch this, you should have this in your Bible underlined, the prisoners were listening to them. Now, when this started, I'm sure there was a little mockery, like, knock it off. I'm trying to sleep. You know, when you're in jail and there's some rough people, you, those aren't the people you want to offend, right? And, and so I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. But Paul and Silas prayed. They sang hymns, and the prisoners are listening. And so as they're listening, what are they, what are they hearing? Not just, not just hymns. But they're hearing them exalt Jesus Christ as the Savior. They're hearing, him, hearing them praising him for the greatness who he is. Amen. Yeah. This is important. Why? Because as they're doing that, faith is being activated. They're, they're releasing the thermostat. The temperature of the prison is being changed. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Hot meets cold. Boom! There's a great shaking, a cracking, and so forth. The prison foundations are shaking. Everybody, all the doors are open. Everyone's chains were loosed. So, when this happens, the jailer comes in. What's verse 27? The jailer comes in and he sees the doors open. So, he's thinking they're dead or they're left. So, he's going to take his sword. He's going to kill himself because that's the penalty. You lost the prisoners, you lose your life. So, he's just going to take care of himself. He's going to kill himself. And Paul says, you should see this now with a loud voice. Do yourself no harm. We are all here. You should underline that. I can guarantee you, if you went to any prison in this country or others, if you just, wham, open the doors, there's going to be a stampede. There will be a stampede to get out of that place. But in this case, there was nobody, nobody who left. And why is that? Because the temperature was raised in the jail. Amen. In the midst of a cold, dark place, the temperature was raised. I don't think Paul and Silas were there like and say, We're innocent, we're innocent, deliver us, we're innocent. I don't think that was the case at all. I think they, they'd been whipped and beaten. People know in jail, people get thrown in the slammer, you know. They know things that happen, all right? And and so they realized, wow, these guys, look, these guys, they're praising God probably bloodied, probably not feeling good, probably uh, uh, in a lot of pain. They're praising God. Then also, as people say something, say, hey, Joe, Jesus loves you. Sally, Jesus loves you. So this wasn't a thing that took 10 minutes. This was a thing that went on for hours. Praising God. The atmosphere is charged. And the prisoners hearing them. And the doors are open. And everybody's sitting there like... Wow. You know, people receiving forgiveness and grace. And that's the jailer, the witness, the jailer says, How can this be? And then he shares, Paul shares with the jailer, and the jailer says, Well, I want to be saved. What do I have to do to be saved? Repent. Repent. You and your household, repent. Give your life to Jesus. That's all you got to do. And the jailer gets saved. The atmosphere changes. Turn to your neighbor and say, You've got the power. You've got the power. Ephesians 3.20, we have the power that lives in us, the power that is exceeding abundantly. So when you put the demand on the power of God, the grid's not going to fail. The power is, on, is always on. It's always available for us. And this power lives in us. Amen? We don't want to underestimate the power, the potential we have. I mean, folks, a lot of times I feel like I've grown this far in... A long time, you know, 40, 45 years or so, 40, going to 50 years. I feel like I've grown this far because I, I realize, wow, how good God is and what he's doing and the miracles he's doing, lives that he's touching. And I realize even at my age, now, I th- keep thinking, I just want to tap into more. I just want to believe more. I want to keep exercising my faith. Yes, yes. You can do that through your phone. You can do that through messages. You can do that all kinds of ways. But Jesus said in John, the works that I do, shall you do. He wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. You can do the works that Jesus did. The only limits that we have are what we put on him. Because there are no other limits. There are no limits other than what we put there. So we want to stretch our faith. Amen. Take your hands just for a minute. Just put them out here like that. Just stretch your faith. Stretch your faith. Stretch your faith for Jesus. Now put them straight up in the air for a second. Just like a plug-in. You're plugging into the power. You want to stretch your faith. That with Him, all things are possible. They're, they're, they're just just so possible that nothing is impossible. That He'll do exceeding abundant beyond what you can think. I, I try to think, use my brain in good ways, but God just says, oh, I'm so far beyond you that all you've got to do is trust Me. Open your mouth. Let your actions speak for me. How you treat people. How you bless people. And Lord, we pray today. We volunteer to say, use us, Lord. Just say, just say it out of your own mouth right now. Lord, use me. Lord, use me for your glory and honor. Lord, use me to be a light to other people. Lord, use me to be your voice as your ambassador to this world. Lord, use me on my job. Say that with me. Say, Lord, use me on my job. <laughs> Say, Lord, use me with my family. Lord, use me at my school. Lord, use me wherever my feet take me. I plug into you, Jesus, and I thank you today for this supernatural power. Supernatural power that flows in me and through me for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, some people watching here just from other countries. He's as close as the mention of his name. You might even be in another religion. I tell you what, Jesus Christ loves you. And I just encourage you to open your heart. Quietness of your home or wherever you are and just say, Jesus. And just say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. You know what? He will. He will. His plans for you are good. He loves you with an everlasting love. And that's the same for everybody we meet. Amen? People are going to listen. People are watching where you don't even know they're watching. Don't even know they're watching, but they're watching. And the impact on their lives, the seeds you plant, the Holy Spirit can work with that to bring glory to His name. Amen? Can you say amen? amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.